Alright legends, welcome back dude to yet another episode of Get Around Me. What a time it is to be alive, truly, okay? The slightest bit of administration out the gate, if I could have 20 seconds of your time, Brisbane Encore Show, September 22, would love to see you there, Encore of my performance, Fourth Grade Rat Bag, which I toured all over the nation this year, uh, so I would love to see you there, Brisbane, September 22, and I'm also part of an upcoming tour, the Homecoming Tour, where it's me, Pat Doherty, Alex Malinkovic, Aliyah Lavore, and Sam Bowden, all great comedians, all great people. We're hitting the East Coast. We are going to Port Macquarie, September 28, Newcastle, September 29, Wollongong, September 30, and Sydney, October 1st. So hope to see you at some of those shows. They're going to be absolutely sick. And if you saw my hour show this year, you know, you can still come to this one. I'll mix it up and you'll see plenty of other comedy as well. So that's what I got going on. Hope to see you there. And let's sort of crack into uh, this episode of the aforementioned podcast. So pretty shocking stuff this week. I don't want to come out the gate too heavy, but I just had a mate of mine. You know, I'm 27. Okay. I'm, I'm a lot closer to 30 than I am to 20. And that became apparent. I had a mate of mine purchase a drone during the week. Okay. Now, drones are a sure sign of a man in his late 20s, early 30s, desperately grasping onto some sort of meaning in this crazy world, okay? I don't know what it is. Once you get to like 29, blokes start freaking out. They either buy a drone or start smoking meats. I don't know what is going on with this sort of stuff. Blokes just seem to grab onto hobbies with both hands in a desperate bid to sort of distract themselves from uh, their mortality. You know, I don't know what goes on. These 32-year-olds with these drones, it is not a vibe, lads, <laughs> okay? Why would a balding man want a bird's-eye view of anything? That's my question, you know? These drones, it's just, they're kind of creepy, you know? Drones are basically just metal kites. I don't know why blokes think they're cool. They are just aluminium kites for straight men you know if you, if you were to go down with a with a fabric kite to your local park at 32 years old and start flying this thing around you know with little tassels coming off either side people would call the police okay why is this 32 year old guy flying a fucking kite near the near the kids playground you know what i mean that's uncomfortable but that same man can go down to the same park with a metal kite that has a freaking camera on it and everyone thinks they're like, they're cool, you know? It's so bizarre how <laughs> I got mates. You get a mate who's like just the blokiest bloke ever and then he buys a drone and then he's like, oh, it's so good for photography, mate. It's so good for photography. It's like, really, Jammo? You're a big photographer now, are you? You haven't posted on Instagram since 2012 and you still use gay slurs like that's the year we're living in. And all of a sudden, this bloke is a big photography buff. I personally find it hard to believe. But 
I don't know. I've never had a problem with drones before, but now that a couple of my mates have purchased one, you know, it is quite shocking because when you're 22, no one buys a drone. You're too busy having fun, kissing people on the lips. So yeah, not not a great development in my life. Um, I got another mate. Yeah. Like I said, if a bloke gets into smoking meats as well, that's a big thing. Just the thing with these hobbies is they're pretty harmless, but you don't want to ever get in too into them to the point where you're like going to conventions and stuff. I knew a comedian a couple of years ago. He wasn't in my friendship group, so it didn't rock me. But he told me he went to a thing called Drone Fest or it was like a drone convention. Anytime you're so into a hobby or topic that you are going to conventions on the weekend surrounding that thing, bail out, okay? If you're going to a drone convention, I had a mate who went to Meat Stock the other week or Meat Fest, whatever it is. It's like a festival all about smoking meats, you know. I was praying for his sake that it was a gay orgy, you know. That would have been much less confronting than this bloke going out and trying 17 different types of brisket on a Saturday out at Homebush Stadium, you know? So I guess this is where my life's headed. You know, my mates are starting to get these sort of hobbies. You know, you got to go around to their place and pretend you're more than willing to wait another seven hours to, uh, to eat dinner. You know, it's fucking 11 p.m., mate. I'm hungry. So I don't know, quite troubling stuff in my social life. And like I said, I think with this stuff, it's fine, but people get too obsessed with it, you know? People get, it's like all they talk about. It's like their, it becomes their calling card. You never want to go too far. Like this is, if you get too crazy into stuff, that's when blokes start throwing out racial slurs at the footy because they get too crazy with it, you know? Just, you got to just keep it level. I saw, a, I, I personally love Star Wars, okay? I love Star Wars. So there's a bit of Star Wars stuff on my YouTube algorithm, okay? And the YouTube algorithm, that's a whole other kettle of fish. You'll watch 30 seconds of something these days. YouTube goes, oh, sweet. So this is an absolute passion of yours. Here comes nothing but Korean barbecue and, uh, and, you know, how how to put up a fence, you know? The YouTube algorithm is a little bit too aggressive at times. But I got plenty of Star Wars in mind and that's fine. Because, uh, you know, when, when the shows are out, like Kenobi, I'll go on YouTube afterwards and have sort of a level five nerd explain to me the things I may have missed, okay? But I saw this video the other day. It said, <laughs> it said Star Wars, right? <laughs> Which is fine. I love Star Wars. It said Star Wars, the philosophy of the Sith and the culture surrounding the dark side. And it went for 47 minutes. And obviously, I didn't watch it uh, because I've had sex in the last five years. And here's the thing. That's just an example of someone who's gone too far in. You know, we've got a 47-minute documentary about the philosophy of the dark side. Here's Here's a quick version for you, mate. It's not real. It's not real, okay? (laughs) This guy's done a 50-minute doco about the dark side of the force and he's covering it with the same veracity someone would do maybe a documentary about Islam or Catholicism. Mate, it's not a real religion. You know, that lightsaber in your room doesn't actually cut through walls, brother. You need to calm down. So praying my mates don't get that fanatical about these stupid drones. 
Um, because once that's the other thing, once one bloke infects the group, this can become sort of an epidemic of low level hobbies, you know? So I'm starting to get a little bit worried, but at the same time, we'll see how we go. Anyway, let's crack into some stories from the week that was. I spent the weekend in the beautiful Blue Mountains, absolutely sensational. And I wanted to share something that happened to me on the weekend that hasn't happened to me in about, I don't even know, I can't remember. And what happened was I had a proper stack, like proper, like a bone chilling fall. So what happened was, obviously it involves a skateboard, like any stack worth its salt. So we're staying on this property, about 15 of uh, my friends and I. Girls, guys, you know, Republicans, everyone was there and we're having a great time. One of the lads has this sick electric skateboard and it's got the proper off-road wheels and then you like, you've got the fucking, the gun to accelerate, okay? And once you get the hang of it, it's pretty fun. I was zooming all over this property on uh, these, these dirt roads, AirPods in, not a care in the world, you know, zipping and zooming and other words that start with Z. I'm having a great time. And then, like anything in life, and this is pretty much, I could pinpoint every single mistake and ill ill fortune in my life to this one thing, is that overconfidence. When I get confident about something, it's like my brain just shuts down, okay? So, you know, I've been going at a pretty mediocre speed on flat ground for 20 minutes so i take that upon myself to fucking rev this thing into next week and take on a fairly substantial hill i yeah like i said i haven't had a fall like this in quite some time so it's it's weird when you're coming down the hill you have that moment of thinking oh dude fuck what are you doing what are you doing and then that arrogance i literally had this moment where i said nah fuck it you got this bill so then i'm coming down the hill and I'm coming down at pace. And I, I had something that was so nostalgic. Got the death wobbles on a skateboard for the first time in about 15 years or 10 years. So you get the death wobbles. And this is like, you know, the three, four seconds you're fucking getting the death wobbles. It's like, it's like someone's got a gun to your head and they're just checking their text messages before they pull the trigger. That's what the death wobbles are. You know, horrific consequences are coming your way. But you just don't know if it's now or in about another two seconds. Okay? But, you know, the death wobbles, there's no fucking stop button on, the, on that. Okay? Once you get those, it's all over Red Rover. So then I'm coming down. The death wobbles kick in. I try to freaking lean into the death wobbles because it's one of these like carving boards. I try to lean in. You know, go with it. Go with the death wobbles. Well, that made them worse. Guys, I don't know who told me to do that. That was terrible advice. So then I've jumped off the skateboard. You try to keep running, but, you know, I jump off at full pace down, halfway down this hill, absolutely polax myself like you would not believe, smash my shoulder, carved up my whole left arm, my hands. You know, I've got no skin left on my goddamn palms. And, and it's that moment as well because everyone saw, you know? So you have that moment on the ground where you go, fuck, that hurt. And then you just hear the laughter, you know. Then once you hear the laughter, you realize, oh, God, no. You know, I can take the physical consequences. 
the social consequences of the fall were horrific. And it was it was only the it was the first morning of the trip. So first morning of the trip, I've gone from what some some people could have potentially called me, you know, a, an alpha male in the group, or at the very least, sort of a, a top four personality. I've been absolutely rocketed to the doldrums of the group. You know, I'm I'm a real tier three nobody at this point, and I'm fucking hurt. Everyone's laughing. My sister was there. She was screaming at me to not go down the hill. She said, but I had the AirPods in. I couldn't hear her over Billie Eilish. So. God, fuck my shoulder something fierce. Like the consequences of this, my left shoulder will never be the same because I don't have private health. And uh, I'm not going to the physio to fix something when I don't play any sport. That's a, that's a waste of money. So absolutely horrific. Thank God for gender roles. I'll say that. About three or four of the girls came to my aid, patched me up while the lads sort of stood around uh, flinging gay slurs my way. So, you know... A truly humbling experience and there's not like when you have a proper fall it's so embarrassing <laughs> it is so fucking embarrassing dude because then you're just lying there and everyone who saw it knows that you are a dumb person <laughs> whereas before you could try and convince them you weren't but now you know later on around the fire we're talking about you know solving the world's issues i'm trying to make a pretty substantial point about renewable energy and the emissions target of this government, and everyone's thinking, why would we listen to you, Bill? You fucking almost killed yourself on a dirt hill, you know? You can't even get down a freaking a dirt hill with a gradient of 45 degrees without almost killing yourself. Why would I listen to you when it comes to renewable energy? And of course, no one said that, but I felt that was maybe some of the energy in the group. So... Yeah, truly horrific stack, and uh, I think it's good, though, because I needed... Now I respect the ground again. i got to say, guys, I haven't been respecting the ground as much as I should have in recent years. So, fair play. Consider me genuinely humbled, okay? Now, time to crack back in to some yarns from New Orleans. Okay, so resuming the America trip, we drive from Memphis to New Orleans... And we get there and we, we receive a huge boost on arrival. As you know, we were jumped in Memphis, got away by the skin of our teeth. But we get to New Orleans and Gil, the fourth member of our group, has arrived. Okay, now this is a morale boost in more ways than one. Firstly, now we're four instead of three. So, you know, just volume alone, pure volume of lads in the group has risen. Uh, also, Gil is by far the best-looking member of our group. So to have by far the sortiest bloke of the group really injected into the trip two weeks in like this, I mean, the feeling around the camp was pretty sensational that afternoon. I'm not going to lie to you. Confidence was up, uh, as was Gil's jawline, and we, we felt fucking fantastic. So, so we roll into New Orleans. Now, our first night out, New Orleans as well, a bit like Memphis, New Orleans was probably my favorite place that we went. In fact, it was. I fucking loved it. But also, stay strapped out there, okay? Our first night out on Bourbon Street, a woman got shot. And the American guy said, oh, don't worry. She just got shot in the hip. So it's like, oh, just the hip, was it? Sorry. I'm sorry to alarm everyone. You know, you get shot in the hip. You should just fucking walk that off, babe. We're on to the next pub. So there was a shooting our first night out there and there was a, <laughs> we get to this hostel in New Orleans 
and there's a police car out the front and that's cool, whatever. I don't know what they get up to. But the police car didn't leave like the whole time we were there. And the reason for this was right out the front of our hostel three days before we got there, two people got shot and murdered. So stay strapped, stay safe. And, uh, and that's that. But we headed out for our first night out in New Orleans. We met this crazy pommy guy who was doing a motorbike tour of the South by himself. Okay. Now, we were blown away by this uh, due to some of the safety concerns we had on the trip. But this guy was a really cool guy. And then he wasn't. <laughs> Are you ever in a conversation with someone where you feel like you've got their measure and you think, wow, this person's awesome. And then it just flips on its head. This guy was, he was telling us all these cool places to go in the South and, uh, you know, some of these stories he had and, and he was such a cool guy. And then, and then all of a sudden he just started just carpet bombing the conversation with the N word, you know, it was just like coming out of nowhere. And I realized he was actually nowhere near as tolerant as I thought, you know, (laughs) He's, I loved this guy for about 10 minutes and then he just said the N-word like five times, this white pommy guy. And then he recommended me about three brothels within walking distance and, th- and then he left. So an absolute roller coaster of a man and <laughs> it was so bizarre, real zero to 10 experience. So then we went from that bar to a, a pizza place just to get, or I think it was a taco place. Just to get a, a quick taco, line the stomach before we proper, proper get into things. Now, some context for this story is that two episodes ago when we were in LA and we went to that, that op shop where everything was $1. Now, Macca bought a t-shirt that said on the front, Cobra's Baseball, which I, I can only assume is a baseball club of some sort. And it had a picture of a cobra and the words, Cobra's Baseball. It is one of the most, you know, nothing from nowhere, unassuming t-shirts. It was gray, just a baseball logo, nothing else, okay? So we walk into the taco store and what these blokes said, I'm only saying to repeat what they said. I don't condone the use of the following word, but this is... (laughs) So we walk into the taco place, two Americans, maybe, I, I hate to get so blue, the fattest blokes I've ever seen. Okay, picture the fattest bloke you've ever seen. Let's bloody, let's rev that up a little bit. And you're in the neighborhood of these two obese gentlemen. Okay, so we've got these two absolute chubsters drunk out of their mind. And keep in mind, we're just having a quick taco on our way out and on our way out, out. And these blokes are already hammered. It's 8.30 p.m. And they're just embarrassing, dude. But anyway, also, all of that is fine. All of that is completely fine. We walk in, me and Gil are in front of Macca, and we're looking at the menu. Anyway, these fat guys turn around, these two Americans, they're both about 35 white guys, obese. They turn around, they, they look at Macca, immediately they go, Cobra's baseball? What kind of f- are you? <laughs> and Macca's like, what? And we're all like, we're all like, <laughs> dude, this is America. <laughs> what the? F- it was the most uncalled for, unprovoked, 
Never saw it coming thing I've ever seen. Oh, and the funniest thing was, Maka doesn't even know what Cobra's baseball is. Okay, so these guys just start teeing off on Maka. And, you know, oh, God, it was so fucking funny. <laughs> because it's like, what the fuck are you doing, lads? What are you doing? Okay. <laughs> Cobra's baseball. And it's like, it's like, <laughs> do you know what it was? And this was, this was the thing. So we've been in America for a couple of weeks at this point. There is just some Americans you'll run into, like these gentlemen, where they're just out to lunch. Okay. If someone said that to Macca in Sydney, with the three of the three of us there, we would obviously intervene and be like, "Hey, do you mind not calling Macca a gay slur? <laughs> like, if you if you can if you can you know manage it." But with these Americans, they were so drunk and such losers. <laughs> like, they're wearing, like, freaking Crocs and their stomachs are hanging out below their T-shirt and they're just slurring their words. It's 8 p.m. They're 35, you know. Can't remember their hairlines. Can only assume they were less than. And we literally just all looked at each other, Macker included, and we just went, ugh. We just couldn't even be fucked to deal with these blokes, you know. They were just so far gone. And uh, it was so funny. Poor Macca was too scared to wear his Cobra's baseball shirt for the next next uh, week or so. Uh, but actually, I'll, I'll say to these gentlemen who probably hadn't rooted in about upwards of 12 years, Macca went on that night to have uh, some, pretty serious, uh, some pretty serious results with women in said t-shirt, okay? Now, I'm not going to get into the bloody specifics because this podcast, you know, it's about the comedy. It's not about absolute filth, okay? But all I'll say is that if you knew what Macca got up to that night with a uh, with an Irish bird, well, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be calling him a bloody gay slur. I'll tell you that for free, you fat piece of shit. Okay, so let those blokes go through to the keeper in what in what in what was honestly probably the funniest thing that happened the whole trip. Oh my, the look on Macca's face was so fucking funny. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, my Lord. Anyway, all right, all right. So then we go out and uh, there was this one guy. The security in America is so funny. All they do is check IDs. They don't actually do any security work. And there was this one guy, big, big fat guy uh, on the door of this place. And we walked in. He said, we have one rule. If you're drinking, we're happy. And we're like, okay. And then we sat outside right in front of where he was on the door and we had a beer and we watched this guy just over and over and over again say this catchphrase to every single person. We have one rule. If you're drinking, we're happy. This guy was like a Skyrim side character. He only had one phrase just on loop. It was very bizarre. So then we went to the next pub and uh, we met up with some Irish birds, which I've already sort of foreshadowed. Uh, that Macca did particularly well with. Um, in fact, there was some se- success uh, amongst the group uh, with the aforementioned Irish birds, and they were really great. I love the Irish. I fucking love the Irish. I mean, check the passport. So I'm I'm a fan. And we meet these Irish birds, and we met these two French women. Now, I recognise these French women. They were actually staying in our hostel, and I love the French as well. While we're there, is there anything vibey up? Like hot French chicks 
just absolutely drilling cigarettes. Is there anything that's more of a vibe on planet Earth? Because I personally don't think there is, okay? So we met these two French girls. Now, I recognize them from our hostel. Maka has not. So Maka says hi to one. Her name was, we called her Mode, but I think that wasn't how you pronounced it. I think it was meant to be called like Mode or something like that. But we couldn't, we couldn't really wrap our fucking Australian accents around it. So Maka doesn't know they're staying at our hostel. They, she goes, oh, Michael, where are you staying tonight? And he goes, I'm staying at the high hostel uh, around the corner. And Maka goes, where are you staying tonight? And this French chick goes, I'm staying at your hostel. And Maka thinks she's saying like, oh, I'm, I'm sleeping in your bed tonight. Yeah. And Maka's like, holy fuck, I'm on. Yes. Like, and then so he, <laughs> Maka told it in such a funny way. He goes, boys, I was, I was dead set about to order an Uber. I thought, holy shit, I've said two words to this bird and she's keen as a bean, you know? And then Maka found out that she was staying at our hostel just in another room. Uh, as, as witty and charismatic and good looking as Maka is, you know, even he needs more than three words to, uh, to get a bird back. So <laughs> Maka came over, he said, boys, I'm so embarrassed. I thought, I thought I was dead set on with this bird and it turns out we're just staying in the same hostel. And we went out, we had a great time. Uh, Vol, one of the lads had some success with an American woman in our hostel room. Don't want to get too into the, into the specifics there, but for context leading into this next yarn, there was a guy, a homeless guy staying in our hostel. You know when hostels are party party and then sometimes it's like, oh, I think maybe some people here are actually living here. There was a bit of that and Vol was sort of doing a bit of boot scooting with this American girl and this homeless guy like told him to shut up in the middle of the night. So Vol actually ran into this homeless guy the next day at reception. And the homeless guy said, mate, I'm so sorry for um, telling you to shut up last night. He said, I was just jealous. And then he asked Vol for five bucks and Vol gave it to him. And uh, it just goes to show, you know, I thought that was pretty good from him, really. Because, you know, you're trying to get some sleep. It might have been his only night of paid accommodation for the week, this poor homeless guy. And he can't get to sleep and he was still nice about it. So... It just goes to show, you know, kindness is free. Anyway, so that afternoon we uh, get on the beers and uh, in the hostel sort of main area. What happened was we ended up meeting this black guy, Kevin. And Kevin was about 60, you know, he looked 50. You know, these these uh, African-Americans have fantastic skin. And he was such an interesting guy. He worked on an oil rig and he was just uh, staying at the hostel. He was shipping out two days later back to the oil rig and he was a former military man and he was just a wild character like he but he was a really nice guy he said boys if anyone gives you any trouble in this town he was a local he said um you you come to me like you know i'm i'm sort of about that life he he said some wild shit like he said he had access to an ar-15 whenever he needed it and he was talking all sorts of wild conspiracies he was telling us osama bin laden is still alive and and that you know, nine eleven was an inside job. All the all the hits, and he was a fucking interesting guy. He was um he was a roadie during the eighties, so he like went on tour with huge bands, all this sort of stuff. Great, one of those great hostel experiences where you just meet someone so interesting. You know, he said, "Boys, I don't keep it real. I keep it thorough. Okay, stay focused, stay in the moment, forget being real. Just keep it thorough." 
And uh, he's just a freaking awesome guy. And he said this other thing. This might be the best bit of advice I think I've come across. He said, get this. He said, if you're worried about your girl, she's not your girl. Which I loved. All the boys' minds just exploded with that one, you know? So if you're worried about your girl, she's not your girl. You know, vice versa. If you're worried about your bloke, he's not your bloke, you know? And that it doesn't that just ring true? Fuck Kev's, Kev was wise. And so Kev goes, uh, Kev goes, I'm going to pop out for a cigarette. And we've been chatting to him for about an hour at this point. So Kev pops out for a cigarette and Vol leans over and goes, boys, that's the homeless bloke who was staying in our room last night. And we're all like, what the fuck? No, Kev's bloody a former military man and an oil rigger. And Vol was like, no, no, no. He asked me for, for a buck this morning. He was in our room. He's homeless. He told me he's homeless. Or everything he said is a lie. And we're like, what the fuck is going on? So we've been chatting to this bloke for about an hour and a half. In hindsight, he wasn't any of these things. He was actually homeless. And it actually made sense because when he came back, I don't want to sort of cast aspersions, but I think he might have hit a crack pipe or taken something because he like wasn't the same bloke when he came back. He came back like 10 minutes later and he was real skittish, dude, and kind of scary, to be honest. He started getting real in our face about like just weird shit. And we were like, what the fuck? So like, turns out this guy who I thought was like this absolutely unbelievable, interesting man, which I guess he was, but it turns out he just lied to our faces for about an hour and a half about almost everything. And I'd say, I'd say it's one of those things where everything was kind of like a half lie. But yeah, interesting, really interesting. It turns out, and Vol knew that the whole time. So the whole time I'm eating up all these stories from Kevin going, and then you did what? And then you did what? Oh my God. And Vol knows he's homeless the whole time, but he didn't want to say it in front of Kev because I guess that's rude. I don't know how it works. But yeah, so real interesting situation. And Kev was there for the next two days. And I got to say, even though he lied to us a lot, he did look after us. Like uh, uh, he sorted out this Kiwi bloke at the hostel with some pretty decent weed and you know, he's just real nice, you know, like he, he just kept saying, if anyone hassled us, come get him. And, you know, like we went down the street to get some money out one day and Kev was like, I'll come with you guys. Just a real interesting guy. So much fun. He called, um, when <laughs> one of the lads was uh, doing a bit of boot scooting in the hostel room, Kev called it bungee jumping. You know, he's like, one of y'all were bungee jumping with a local girl last night. What the hell? Like, just a great guy, dude. Great guy. But a serial liar and also kind of homeless. I, I don't know what was going on. He was very well put together, but he also had like a tooth missing. Just a really hard guy to read, you know? And a really interesting guy at that. So, Kev, you fucking liar. You lied to us <laughs> ad nauseum. But I think he was probably one of the most interesting blokes I've ever met in my life, you know? If you're worried about your girl, she's not your girl. So keep that in mind and keep it thorough, you know? <laughs> okay, so that is the best of the yarns from New Orleans. And we will crack into a couple of topics now. Firstly, our main man is in the news again. Nick Kyrgios is being sued. It's not the sexual assault case. I don't know what happened with that, but... During the Wimbledon final, Nick Kyrgios said he was getting distracted by this woman in the crowd who was like extremely drunk. 
and yelling out. And he said on camera to the ref, kick out the woman who's had 700 drinks in the brown spotted dress. And then it just pans to a woman, you know, a pretty well together sort of 30 year old woman, you know, and she's just sitting there sipping a water, making no noise whatsoever. And they ejected her from the arena. Now, it turns out this woman, not only is she a tennis fan and a respectful one at that, she's actually a lawyer and she is suing Nick Kyrgios for defamation because he basically called her an idiot and a drunk in front of the whole world. And she's kind of got him by the balls because he, he said those things about her, but because it was broadcast on TV and radio internationally to millions of people, it's the same as if he said it to every single person watching directly. I think this is fucking hilarious, okay? <laughs> because here's the thing with Nick Kyrgios. I'll go in on Nick Kyrgios when he does something awesome, but I'll go in on it when he's, when he's being a sook as well. And that's why he's kind of fun being a Nick Kyrgios fan because he's so emotional, you know? When this guy's up, he's up, up. And when he's down, he's down, down, you know? He's a complete sook. It's the funniest thing ever. And imagine you're sitting there watching the Wimbledon final, drinking a bottle of water, going, how good's this? And some guy, one of the players points to you and says to the referee, eject him immediately. He's had 700 beers. And you're just sitting there in a collared shirt, quietly enjoying the game. Imagine you're quietly enjoying a game of tennis and a bottle of water and, and an international player blames you for losing the Wimbledon final. <laughs> You'd be like, mate, what the fuck? <laughs> I was so excited to come here. <laughs> Why are you doing this to me, you know? And this is the funniest thing about this, is this chick is suing him for millions and she's going to donate all of it to charity. I love this. I've seen a couple of celebrity cases like this. There's nothing better than taking millions of dollars off someone and then just lighting it on fire in front of their face, you know? Donating it to charity is obviously a much better thing to do. I would love to just light it on fire, just be real petty about it. You know, just be like, this was yours until you ran your mouth about Billy Darcy, okay? It'd be so good. I've never seen a guy who handles the bad times worse than Nick Kyrgios. <laughs> you know, just, <laughs> he's, this is why he's such a fun guy and such a superstar is because the guy has the mental fortitude of like a leaf on the ground, Okay. When things are going bad, he's like, oh no, everything's terrible. It's the worst. There is no hope. And when things are going good, he is like a megalomaniac, psycho, you know, like a serial killer levels of confidence and arrogance. And he really has no gear in between, you know? You you never just see him come off the court and go, hey, I lost to the better player. That's how it is. See you next week, team. It's always like, "There there was a chick in the crowd making elaborate paper planes and throwing them at me when I was trying to serve. Did no one see it? And it's like, no, Nick, no one saw it, you know? I love following Nick Kyrgios because I don't know what's going to happen with this guy because Nick Kyrgios is at a crossroads right now. He's ranked, I think he's up to 23 in the world. Someone check that. I just made it up. But Nick Kyrgios is sort of, he just played the Wimbledon final. If he wants to bloody make a go of it in the next couple of years... He could win a slam and, you know, repair his reputation to the point where, you know, he could go down as an absolute legend of the sport and be really loved by the country. Or if he sort of scoots off the other way, he's got two active legal cases right now, one sexual assault, one for the defamation. 
you know, and if he starts losing and scooting off, he's like, he's a couple of incidents away from going back to when the whole country hated him, you know, so I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Um, and I, I just like that he's entertaining either way, you know, so good, good luck to Nick Kyrgios in his upcoming court battles. Uh, get used to it, mate. I dare say it won't be your last, uh, just judging by the way you handle even the most mild of inconveniences. And uh, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. But, but yeah, Nick Kyrgios getting dragged. How fun would it be being a lawyer where if you're just walking around, if, if you said to me, Billy Darcy, you've had 700 beers, you're a piece of shit, uh, your haircut's not as good as you think it is, and you don't look as good in blue as you think you do, I'd be like, oh, God, no. <laughs> I just have to eat that. Whereas this woman goes, sweet, okay, cool. I'm about to absolutely drag you for millions of dollars in front of the whole world, you piece of shit, okay? I studied for eight years and I didn't get to the end of that thing to have some middle-tier tennis player tell me how it is, okay? If you're a lawyer, you're basically walking around with a metaphorical gun at all times, you know? Someone punches you in the face of the pub, you're thinking, you beauty, I just won $100,000. <laughs> Whereas if I got punched in the face of the pub, I'd, I'd just think... Oh boy, that hurt quite a bit, didn't it? You know? <laughs> oh, it must be fun. Anyway, speaking of, uh, you know, couldn't think of a segue. Next topic. So, the Prime Minister of Finland is in hot water over the weekend. And, you know, this is new to me. I don't traditionally keep up with the Prime Minister of Finland and what, and what she gets up to. But it turns out she gets up to quite a bit, this, uh, this woman. She, uh, there's a video of her dancing quite provocatively, might I say, provocatively uh, and partying, okay, possibly, allegedly enjoying alcohol and, uh, and people, are, uh, people are up in arms, you know, people are filthy, people are angry and a couple of things on this. Uh, firstly... This woman is 36 and prime minister of her country. Loving this trend of younger politicians. Can we please continue this? I think politicians should be like between 35 and 45. You know, 55, okay. Once you get past 60 and above, I honestly think you're too far gone from like the core of society. You know, I don't think politicians should be 22 either. I don't think they should be 60, 70. You're just too far gone, you know? Like, you, you see these guys, it's awkward when they have to go to, like, engage with the community and you have this, like, 68-year-old man trying to fucking do a bit of a jig at a Lime Cordial concert, you know, at an event supporting the arts. Or when, like, Tony Abbott would get on the cricket commentary and the whole nation is forced to sit through him say one word per minute as he does those old man breaths in between, making really no sense whatsoever, you know? You can almost see just out of shot the liberal intern holding up the palm cards of what he's supposed to say. Is it too much to ask we have a few politicians who are 37 and can have a camera put in their face without having a full speech prepared word for word and just answer a few common sense questions regarding the nation, you know? I think... Younger, more switched-on politicians uh, create more transparent, more relevant politicians, and I'd like to see that trend continue because I'm so sick of these fucking fossils standing up there 
half thinking they're at a picnic with their wife who was dead 10 years ago, okay? So, on this, uh, on this absolute heathen of a woman, okay, this, uh, you know, I can only assume she's been burned, uh, crucified in the town square for this uh, illicit behavior, you know. I think it's ridiculous. You know, people drink alcohol, people dance. Politicians are people. And people are multifaceted, okay? To think that the Prime Minister is just powered down in her fucking real estate suit on a Friday afternoon and put in a metal box for the weekend until Parliament opens back up on Monday and they can fucking switch her back on to resume her duties. She's a person. People are multifaceted, okay? We just got to wrap our heads around this, you know? It's like when, uh, you know, a, a, an athlete gets caught sexting someone. People are like, what? My favorite cricket player has, has sex, you know? It's like, it's like all this stuff. It's like everyone is partying. Everyone is drinking alcohol. Everyone is having sex. Politicians, lawyers, doctors, tradies, cricketers, everyone in between. And the problem is, is that everyone knows this. But she had to do a drug test, heaps of backlash in her country and the country of Finland, which I don't know if they're a particularly chill country traditionally. But the problem is everyone knows that the PM is doing this stuff on the weekends or, you know, maybe they didn't know specifically, but, you know, they know she's a person like everyone else. But the problem is it's not that people actually give a fuck that she had a few beers and had a dance. It's that there are people where it suits their agenda to have negative press surrounding the prime minister. And this is just an excuse, you know? This is just an excuse. There were people who already hated this chick and wanted her out. They're like, fucking, this is like Christmas, you know? Imagine your enemy or the person who's in your way to you becoming prime minister gets caught on video, drunk, dancing. You'd be like, oh my God, this is reprehensible. This woman is a disgrace, you know? Even though you were definitely doing the same thing in your home the very same weekend. But no one fucking filmed it, so it never happened, you know? And a couple of things. People are multifaceted. Who cares if she's had a few shandies on the weekend? I don't give a fuck what she does on the weekend. It's her time, okay? As long as she doesn't, like, invade the Ukraine, I don't particularly care who she parties with, you know? And secondly, can people who have friends who are public figures stop filming them and posting it, okay? If your mate is the prime minister of your country and everyone's doing shots, getting weird, potentially doing a few fucking, a few light narcotics in the background, don't film and post it to the internet, okay? And if you don't understand that, you are a fucking idiot, dude. Like, it's like, what are you... If you're a celebrity... It kind of comes back to the NRL thing. Like, if you're a celebrity and you're getting fucking wild or you're a public figure where, you know, you need to keep some form of public image, you know, you just need to do... You just need to, to fucking shut it down a bit with the phones when everyone's fucked up. They should do the, uh, the yonder bags. When I went to see Joe Rogan in Austin... You got to put your phone in the bag and they lock it for you. Celebrities should start doing this at their homes, honestly. It's just, it takes two seconds to do. And it's just, if people didn't film all this stuff, there'd be no problems. There'd be no issues, you know? 
So I love this this Finnish Prime Minister. I love that she's 36, leading a nation. I love that she's having fun on the weekends. That tells me she's a real person. Play on, babe. Play on, you know. Fuck me. If you need somewhere to stay next time you're, you're visiting Australia, you can stay at the lad pad, you know. Here, you can lose your absolute mind in our living room with some bloody beers, good times, and some light narcotic use, and we won't bloody snitch on you, babe, okay? So leave this woman alone. She's a fucking icon. And, uh, and, and that's that, you know, that is that. Finally, last thing I'd like to talk about is the project for this week. And this is sort of in theme with what I was just talking about is that, uh, sort of, you know, people getting canceled for doing stuff that everyone does. People are multifaceted. And on that note, Australian cricket captain, former, formerly canceled Tim Payne, is returning to cricket and he's he doesn't have a state or national contract he's currently training with Tasmania the the uh the the cricket team but it will will not play in their first few games unless he does particularly well at district level and and earns his spot back and no one cares that Tim Payne's back because no one cared that he left in the first place and this is the issue if everyone cared so much about Tim Payne's sexting and uh, Tim Payne sending these illicit messages, why isn't everyone as angry that he's now returning? You know, the fact is no one cared then and no one cares now. And it's just such a waste, dude. You know, Pat Cummins, our current squeaky clean Australian captain, you know, until God forbid Pat Cummins does something that everyone else on the planet does, then we'll bloody burn him at the stake as well. But Pat Cummins said in the media this week, he thought... What Tim Payne did was no big deal and a real shame that it impacted his life that much. And it's like, yeah, that's correct, you know. And just for a bit of context or a bit of comparison on this, uh, on this issue. So Tim Payne, was, was, his whole career was destroyed for sending illicit text messages to a woman, consensually, a 34-year-old woman at that, okay. This week... Another cricket legend, Pakistan cricket legend, maybe the greatest Pakistani cricketer of all time, Imran Khan, is being brought up on terrorism charges in Pakistan. Okay? So just goes to show maybe sexting some chick consensually isn't the worst thing in the world, you know? Yeah, Tim Payne's horny, but he's not trying to blow up the center point tower, is he? Yeah, Tim Payne, he, he, he likes to do a bit of boot scooting. He's, uh, he's attracted to this woman who's sending him some absolute filth down the pipeline. It might not be the most tasteful thing you've ever read, but at least he's not linked to Al-Qaeda for fuck's sake, you know? Jesus fucking Christ, I told you, no one would care about this when Tim Payne comes back and it would all be in vain and that is exactly what's happened, you know? I wish Tim Payne just weathered the storm maybe stood down from the captaincy, but played the Ashes, I guarantee by the third test match of the series, it would have been out of the news cycle. Do you know what? If he played that first Ashes test, who's to say he doesn't get 100 in that first game? Who's to say he doesn't get a, a fucking great 75, get us out of a jam? Who's to say he doesn't, you know, do some crazy stumping and we all move on, you know? So it's such a shame it just goes to show, I, I saw this uh, great thing 
on a podcast uh, just yesterday. It was Louis C.K. on Joe Rogan. And I'm not comparing Louis C.K. to Tim Payne in any way, shape, or form. Louis C.K. is unequivocally a much bigger creep than Tim Payne, okay? But he just happened to be talking about social media and Twitter, and that's why it's relevant, not comparing their their sexually explicit deeds in any way, shape, or form, okay? Louis C.K. said uh, Twitter, because Twitter is really where Tim Payne got dragged. You know, all of a sudden, everyone is uh, outraged and disgraced. Apparently, everyone was basing their every life decision, uh, including how they raised their kids, on Tim Payne's example. And, you know, people couldn't even continue their lives. They were so shocked and disgusted by Tim Payne's uh, text messages. And that's all they were, consensual text messages, okay? And Louis C.K. said that Twitter is just people talking, but it's written down and left there permanently. So, you know, like when you're in the office and you hear, oh my God, you hear what happened with Tim Payne and everyone chats about it. Some people reckon it's disgusting. You know, you come around to me, I don't give a fuck, whatever, rah, rah, rah. We never talk about it again. No one cared when we were talking about it. No one cares when we weren't talking about it. And that's that. And you just all move on. And that's all Twitter is, but it's permanently written down. So no one on Twitter actually cares. They're just commenting on current events you know, commenting on the news cycle, talking to each other about it. And it's not, no one gives a fuck, but it's, but now it's permanently there and it seems to hold so much more significance because it's inked into the internet, you know? Whereas you don't remember chatting to fucking some bloke in your office about a similar incident 10 years ago. You don't remember that at all. And if you're Tim Payne, you don't feel the impact of people around the country discussing what what you did in person you don't you don't know how are you supposed to know if tim payne sends off some lewd text message in sydney how the fuck is he supposed to know what people in perth think if it's not for twitter you know you could be saying the worst things ever about tim payne to your friends around around the the table at the pub but it's all just bloody you're just chatting away and then that's that you move on but now twitter tim payne's getting four thousand messages and they seem to hold this significance because they've been inked into the internet permanently. But the reality is pe- people on Twitter care as little as people around the water cooler in your office. And it's just such a shame that that ruined Tim Payne's career. But just heartbreaking for the great man. So Tim Payne's back. The Finland PM isn't going anywhere. Nick Kyrgios is in all sorts of trouble. And, uh, and I've got what can only be described... As, a, as one of the best lesbian haircuts this side of the country. So that's the podcast for this week. Hope you enjoyed it. Brisbane Encore Show, September 22. Get your tickets. Uh, that's going to be sick. I'm a part of the homecoming stand-up comedy tour. Uh, going to Port Macquarie, Newcastle, Wollongong and Sydney. Late September. Get your tickets for all of those shows via the link in my Instagram bio. Okay? And if you are living in Wagga Wagga, Albury-Wodonga, and Tumut, I am on the Sydney Comedy Festival Roadshow heading there next weekend. So I'm out and about. I'm on the bloody road. Good to be getting back out there. And, and yeah, thanks for listening. Way too long, way too long. Yeah, and I can see the ground now. I'm way too gone, way too gone.